0: Chapter 24, Ba and Hashkeh Yixnabah, Finding Relatives at Fort Sumner On the second day of Nahat'ah Yixnabah's visit, the Navajo men were instructed by interpreters telling them they had to gather at the parade grounds to be counted and given rations. On these days, the men were especially unhappy. The Nabeho men wanted more than anything to go hunting, but all their hunting equipment had been confiscated from them when they arrived at Fort Canby or at the fort at Ojo del Oso. Many of the men who were forced to walk to Fort Sumner had not hunted for nearly three long years. Hushkeh felt bad for all the men especially the ones who were leaders and the older nabe men because they were forced to give up their identity as the hunters, agriculturalists, spiritual leaders, providers, protectors, and warriors. Hashkeh sadly watched the men form a line to be counted. He also felt sorry for the men who stood in line to receive their ration and that even their title of father had been stripped of them. They were supposed to provide food for their children, but here they were standing in line waiting for their ration of rancid meat that they would take back to their children. It was evident that the pride of each man had been stripped of them. Hashkeh Yilnapa's heart Hurt for his people. Hushkechyasnapa held his head up high. Although he and his people were forced to walk to Fort Sumner, they came here willingly. They did not surrender. If he was held captive, it was not by the soldiers. Instead, he was held captive by the hope of seeing his two daughters. He was also held captive by his beautiful Nananaba, who was desperately looking for her daughters. The soldiers are not strong enough to keep me and my family here, he thought, as he watched the once proud Nabehw hu- warriors and leaders standing in lines. Hashkeh looked down at his hands. All of a sudden he remembered he was supposed to carry the stick with a maroon piece of material tied to one end of it, designating him as a leader. He looked at his hand and shook it violently in frustration. In his excitement over seeing his oldest son again, he had left his camp without his leadership stick. Hashkeh Yilnapa's memory returned to his role as a war leader. He then began flexing his strong hands thoughtfully. His hands missed his lances. His hands missed his spear. His hands missed his bows and arrows. His hands missed his shield. He missed his bow guard. His hands missed throwing his lance or his spear at the heart of an animal with the precision that he required of himself and his warriors. His hands missed placing an arrow in his tautly strung bow that he pulled back tightly as he aimed at the heart of an animal. Hashkeh Bas's eyes teared up with hot tears when his mind stumbled on the idea that my hands missed holding my daughters more. As a war leader, what Hashkeh missed the most were his well-trained horses, horses that were trained for warfare. His thoughts returned to the life of a warrior when he admitted that his body missed his horses that thundered through their valleys and hills and mountains near Tzillachin, Black Mesa, as they chased an animal to kill. His body also missed his horses that thundered through the camps of the inna'i enemy when they went looking for their women and children who were kidnapped to be sold on the slave market. His eyes missed seeing his sons riding their horses fiercely as they followed their father's orders. Once again, Hushkeh eyes teared up with hot tears when his mind stumbled on the thought that my eyes missed seeing the beautiful face of my daughter's more, Still waiting in line to be counted, Ashkeh was aware that his identification had been stripped of him, that of a war leader. How was he supposed to teach his young warriors about warfare and survival when he did not have his instruments of war? Hashkeh Yilnapa refused to give in to this evil enemy. In his desperation, he remembered back to a time when his father, who was also a noted war leader, told him, <laughs> Sometime in the future, don't ever be like a woman in labor who has to bear her pain and not be able to do anything about it. Absolutely not. We have many enemies they are all around us at all times when you have children you come up against desperate times we don't only fight our five-fingered human enemies not bahit anitleniki nae dotat ini astopik etchentepa goda ditchen dotge lopel do elrue do san as warriors, we also fight against enemies that we cannot see. Enemies such as hunger, poverty, sleepiness, laziness, and old age are also things that we fight against. When you become a father, you do all you can to make sure your children have something to eat. That way, they will not fall into hunger. Yego neshgo al-e, akoh alchen do tien-e, ihtkat khata. Ei beniye Khalchen abinda najdi Nako al-e, adoh alchen You work hard, so your children will not walk in poverty. That is why you work. When you have children, you get up early, and then you spend the day teaching your children what they need to know. Your children will have things to teach when they get older, and they will not sleep a lot. (laughs) When you have children, you take care of things that need to be fixed at home, and that way there will be peace in your home. When you work hard, old age will avoid you. If you do not work very hard, old age finds you easily, and then you walk into old age more quickly. Hashkeh Yilnapa closed his eyes in thoughtfulness, and silently thanked the creator for his wise father. He admitted that without the words of his wise father, he would have felt like a caged animal here at Fort Sumner with nowhere to run. He could have felt as if he did not have an implement of war. He remembered back to the time when his beautiful Nananaba had reminded him that his implement of war was his leadership stick. She reminded him, protect your people with your words. By means of your words, your people will survive incredibly difficult times. The simple words of advice were what he needed to remind him to keep his pride in being a Nabeho war leader. Hashke Yichnaba's thoughts were interrupted when he heard some Nabeho men expressing their humiliation at being seen standing in line to be given rations. It was breathtaking to see so many Nabeho men, men who were once powerful warriors, standing in line to be counted and then to be given rations each man had to present a small token made of a thin sheet of metal it was the metal token that the nabejo men presented at the commissary to get their rations of 1 pound of meat usually beef 1 pound of flour and coffee even before the men were given the meat they could smell the foul raw rotting meat that was given to each man. The rations were to feed each family for the next three days. For most men, it was all they could present to their families, so they took the rotten meat back to their campsite to be cooked by the women. Hashkeh Yisnapa remembered back to the time when they first arrived at Fort Sumner several months ago when he was shocked at seeing Nabehu women gagging over the fire as they cooked the foul-smelling, rancid meat. At the time, he did not understand the reason for such action among the women. As the Nabeho men stood in line waiting for their ration, Hashkeh Yilnaba could hear the men telling stories of the times they hunted when they lived in Dinetra, Navajo land. He had such compassion for the Navajo men. In honor of their warrior title and warrior lifestyle, many Navajo men proudly wore hats made of felt that resembled a Navajo hunting helmet. On top of the felt helmet, the men had sewn what resembled two ears shaped like the ears of a bobcat. While on Netra Navajo land, each Nabe hu- warrior earned and wore a helmet made from a bobcat's fur, which was skinned from the head of the cat with the ears still attached. The bobcat helmet served as a reminder to the warrior to be as stealthy, as agile, and as able to run with speed as a bobcat when hunting wild game or an an, an enemy. Hashkeh heart hurt for his fellow Nabeho, warriors who refused to give up their warrior mentality. He looked at the warrior's helmets. Then he looked at the hat the soldiers wore. He wondered if the hat of the soldiers represented strength like the helmet of the Nabeho men did. In contemplating the sight before him, Ashkeh Napa was glad his family and the people under his leadership had been assigned to an area near the river. Small game wandered close to the river for their source of water, so he and his men had been quite successful in trapping small game for the daily provisions for his people. Hajke felt great satisfaction in forbidding his people to eat the rations provided by the soldiers. Many of the soldiers smelled bad. They smelled like they had subsisted on a steady daily diet of rotten meat, as well as having bathed in the foul-smelling fat rendering of the meat. Ashkeh Yilnapa was sad that the Nabehua people would have to suffer from hunger for the next two days before they were given another supply of rancid meat. But on the other hand, he was glad the Nabehua people ate the meat only every three days. If they had a daily dose of the meat, he was sure the Nabehua people would smell as foul as the soldiers, and the meat they consumed. Hashkeh Yenapa held on to his ration, not wanting to hold it close to his body. He heard a low whistle, which made him turn around quickly. He recognized the sound. He turned to the source of the sound and saw his oldest son, Nahat'a Yenapa. His oldest son had recognized some Nabehua people as being from Dinebetru, the People's Spring, an area which is nearly a day's ride south of Tzillijin, Black Mesa. Happy to see someone from his home area, Hashkeh Napa got out of line and went to greet the men from Dinebetru, the People's Spring. Introductions were given, and the men hugged one another by placing one hand on each other's shoulder. Without warning, a young soldier ran up to the group of men and began barking orders at them, telling them to stop visiting. Through an interpreter, the men were told they could not plan escapes, plot raids, or discuss war strategies, and that they had to disperse, as the young soldier demanded. Hachkeh Yilnapa was confused he was not aware he was not to visit with other nabejo men the men were told to return to their camping areas immediately the soldiers shot several shots into the air until hshkehlnaba his sons and the men began to move away from the commissary hshkehlnaba looked back at the young soldier My warriors would never speak to me like that, he thought, in sadness. An officer who used a cane due to his heavy limp and who had a patch over one eye tried calming the young soldiers down. The young soldiers who were insistent on humiliating Hashkeh and the young men he visited with once again fired shots into the air. The officer once again told the young soldiers to settle down, but with no success. It seemed the young soldier who was shouting was angry that the Nabehu had an ally among their ranks. The officer cracked a whip, which made young soldiers jump, but it only angered the young soldier who barked. Sorry, sir, this is not the civil war. We are fighting Indians, dirty Indians, here. The young soldier was shoved out of the parade grounds by a military escort led by the officer. Young soldiers were assigned to escort Hashkehil Napa and his sons back to their camping area. The interpreter told Hashkehil Napa and his sons that many of the Nabehu men would not get their rations because of the disruption they caused. Hashkeh was confused. All he was guilty of was greeting young men who were from the area below, Zilajin, Black Mesa. Before they left the parade grounds, there was another scuffle. The nabehuo men under Hashkeh leadership were becoming angry. Their leader did not mean any harm, and the soldiers were using the rations to punish other Nabehu for the actions of four men. They had witnessed an old Nabehu man pleading with a soldier, asking him to provide him his ration for his grandchildren. The soldier ran up to Hashkeh Napa and rudely grabbed his ration and gave it to the old man then pushed the old man over with the butt of his rifle. All of a sudden, dozens of soldiers suddenly appeared. They rushed up to Hashkeh and shoved him into a nearby building. The interpreter was summoned. In his excitement about his son's appearance, Hashkeh forgot he was supposed to carry the stick that designated him as a leader. Confused, Hashke Yilnapa's sons and the men under his leadership waited patiently outside the building. They could hear soldiers yelling. They were very worried. It was not long before Hashkeh Yilnapa was ushered out of the building with his hands tied and his ankles hobbled. Several soldiers got on their horses and pulled Hashkeh Yilnapa along. After what seemed like hours, the procession arrived at Hashkeh camping area. The rope tying his hands together was untied, and he was pushed forward to produce the stick that proved he was a Nabeho leader. Hashkeh Yilnapa went straight to the little bundle he kept hidden to protect it and produced his leadership stick with the bright maroon piece of material attached to it. The soldiers coaxed their horses away, then left the baffled interpreter to smooth out the confusion. It was a rule of the soldiers that only leaders have the right to be meeting with others in small groups. All other Nabehu men were not allowed, to socialize, visit, or concoct war strategies. Hashkeh Yilnapa had every right to be meeting with his sons and the young men. Hashkeh Yilnapa was devastated that he never got the opportunity to ask if anyone had seen his daughter. In sadness, he told about what happened. She scolded him, telling him, He had placed his oldest son in danger of being caught. He smiled back at her as she scolded him. Their sons smiled, and their adopted children looked on with perplexed looks on their faces. Ninanaba did not think she could wait three days until the next day for rations. She had never looked forward to that day before. She smiled to herself, thinking that the rotten meat was possibly going to bring news of her daughter closer to her. Hashkeh had to rely on his men to provide rotten meat, which is what they used when they set their traps. That was the only reason they faithfully went to obtain their rations. The meat always brought small game into their traps, and that was how Hashkeh and his men provided for their families. They were proud that they did not have to rely on what their enemies gave them for food. Other Nabehua leaders succumbed to the demands of the soldiers and allowed their people to become accustomed to the rations the soldiers provided and depended upon them. On the other hand, Ashkeh was aware of it and felt sorry for the Nabehuo people who lived closer to the fort. Their hands were tied. They had no way to hunt, obtain relatively safe water, or obtain firewood. They were entirely dependent upon the mean soldiers. The water was a distressing problem to the people, The river was full of water that was heavily alkaline. The water was very bitter and caused severe stomach pains. Hashkehilnapa was glad his people were allowed to keep a herd of goats the women milked daily to provide nutrition for his people. The children were kept busy caring for the small herd of goats. Hashkehilnapa encouraged his people to eat the berries, nuts, and jerky they brought from home, which his people carefully and faithfully rationed. He told his people to take time to chew their food well so as to moisten their food the way water would if the water was of better quality. His people appreciated their leader and they knew he loved each one of them. Nhat Ahyanabha stayed with his young wife and his mother and father, until the next day of rationing, which was three days from the disturbing incident. As the men were leaving for the parade grounds, ninanabot demanded to see if her husband had the stick that identified him as a leader, saying, Let's see. Do you have the stick that identifies you as a leader? Sheepishly, Hashkeh showed her. Ninanapa let him know she was serious about his leadership as she told him. linigibe That stick defies you as a leader. Take good care of it. Hashkeh smiled and answered by saying, Okay, my little one, I will take care of it for you. Ninanaba tucked some stray hairs into her husband's hair knot, then told him, Take good care of our children. Don't let the ones they call soldiers... "'Bother our sons.' "'After her advice, she told him they could leave. "'She gave a gentle pat on her sons' backs "'and watched them leave for the large parade grounds. "'Several hours later, the men arrived at the parade grounds. "'They first stood in the line to be counted, "'then went across to the commissary to receive their rations.' Hashkeh made sure the soldiers could see the stick that designated him as a Nabehu leader. His men stood near him as if they had been asked to protect him. Hashkeh and his sons were very nervous. They did not want to cause any Nabehu man to lose his chance at receiving rations, so they remained inconspicuous. Nahata Yenapa looked for the young men from Denebitu, the people's spring. The young men were in line to receive their ration. Hashke Yenapa looked at the food the men were carrying as they walked away from the commissary. He shuddered at the thought of his daughter eating the disgusting food. His heart began to hurt. Tears surfaced in his eyes and spilled over onto his face, but Hashke Yilnapa did not try to hide his tears. After the young men from Denebetro, the people's spring, received their ration, they joined Nahat Ahyinapa and his father and brother. The young men were once again introduced. To a solid handshake united the men who were once strangers. As soon as Hashkeh Yilnapa's hand clasped the young man's hand, Hashkeh Yilnapa asked what clan the young men were affiliated with. They found they were related. He had found some relatives in such a desolate place. When did they force you to walk here? Asked Hashkeh Yilnaba. A year ago, Hashkeh Yilnaba told the men about coming to the fort for the purpose of looking for his children. Shalchen hada We came to the fort to look for our children. We were not defeated. He described his daughter, Dedi, hoping the young men had seen a young woman who matched her appearance. The men stared back with sorrowful looks in their eyes as they said, We have not seen her. Hashkeh felt like he had a hole in his heart. He yearned to hear about his little daddy. Only when he looked into her face could he sleep a little at night. Only then could he eat and taste his meager portion of food. Only then could he get up in the pre-dawn morning and greet the new day with a little peace in his heart. Even as a prisoner of war, Hashkeh Yilnabba knew he and his wife and their children would survive such devastating circumstances. He wanted more than anything to unite his wife with their daughters. The men visited for a short time. Nahat Ahyinabba promised to bring the men together again. He told his father he had to go back to the ranch and continue his work so he could provide fresh meat for his wife and his mother and his father. The three men, father and sons, made their way back to their camping area. Hinanabha was anxiously waiting for word about her daughter and their grandson. Tears ran freely down her face and pooled, in the dirt near the place where she was kneeling. The men were the ones who had more opportunity to meet with other Nabeho men from various areas from Denetra, Navajo land. Hashkeh ba, told his wife of the feeling he felt when he shook hands with the young men from Denebetra, the people's spring. ninanapa looked up and closed her eyes. She thanked her creator for protecting her daughter. She knew her daughter had the will to survive because she was raised as a Nabeho. Ninanabat knew the teachings she had imparted to her daughters would never leave her two daughters. Ninanabat was glad she taught them well. Hashkeh and Ninanaba. Could hear their daughter in law, Tsek iznazba crying throughout the night. It meant their son had left to return to the ranch where he worked. In the morning, Ninanaba told her daughter in law that many long, lonely nights are a part of the life of a Nabehu warrior's wife. Ninanaba felt bad. Or Tek is Nazba her daughter in law had not seen her husband in months only to watch him leave her again. Ninanaba told her daughter in law Dadushiyaj Nichon Bike Nini Ahe Binam Nisholo Binam Nish Yinetle Neha Hotol Yaf Yuniya Nad Nishiko the babetse aninaaz ahegi naka nse yoolta e. Dootru do de babetse naka Ego yoolta e. Go si di nabechua niche naa go. D'o ba da hao jooppa it Ego Go niche do do naa da hao Nde. Shiaj yarge a yo an a hot nenegibe natchet. The arts econ da e te A jashi de pebbit sent oyest lego, nde diente, nichit nebel, nit banda Ilso She yarge bibel a jo paigi benachet a anichitra hot Don't worry about my son, your husband. He has work to do. He enjoys his work. He went back to his work so he could continue to take care of us. He provides fresh mutton for us. If he did not supply us with fresh water and fresh mutton, then we would be like the Navajo people who live around us, who lie down and curl up. And we, too, would be pitifully sick as well. But because my son loves us very much, we eat in a decent manner. Although the small amount of meat we eat gives us just a taste, we are able to share the mutton with the people we arrived with. It is because of the kindness of my son, your husband, that we are relatively well. Hashkeh Yirnaba and Ninanaba and their family, as well as their people, had been blessed with fresh mutton and better tasting water. They knew they all needed one another in order to survive. Hashkeh Yirnaba even noticed that Ninanaba was stronger than she had been in months, despite the horrible conditions they had endured. He also noticed a hint of the glow that used to be in Ninanabat's face had begun to return. For the first time in a long time, Hashkeh Yilnapa and Ninanabat discussed the fact that they had hope in their hearts. They knew they would see their daughter soon. They just knew they had to be patient. Their patience would save their daughter's life. Their patience would save their young grandson's life. Their hope was that their patience would allow them to see their youngest daughter again as well, even though they had not received any word of her.